please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning from Rick Bonfin Ministries. I'm Betty McKinney, and I'm glad that you've joined us today. Hope you're doing well and hanging in there. Um, We are coming now to a very important event in Scripture, which has come to be known as the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. Um, It's come to be known as Palm Sunday on our calendars. And just before this event of the triumphal entry, which actually wasn't so triumphal, by the way. It's kind of funny that we've named it that. Um, As he's riding into the week of his death, his his arrest, his uh, torture, and his death. But just before this, this grand event, we've been studying about how Jesus had supper at the home of Simon the leper, who is someone that Jesus had healed and also lived in the little town of Bethany, just to the east of the Mount of Olives. And Rick taught on that yesterday. It was wonderful. If you didn't see it, go back and listen to it yesterday. I'd like to look at um, the account in the Gospel of Mark because this, this story of the supper at the house of Simon the leper takes place in Matthew 26, in John 12, and in Mark 14. So let's turn to Mark 14 and look at the account there. There's a few points that come out in the Mark account that I want to point out before we get on to the <coughs> triumphal entry. It says in Mark 14, Now the Passover and unleavened bread was two days off, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him. Nothing unclear about that, what their motive was, what their plan was. For they were saying, Not during the festival, lest there be a riot of the people. And while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, pure nard, and she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii, and the money given to the poor, and they were scolding her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For the poor you always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do them good, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached, In the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken in memory of her. And Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went off to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. He snuck out of the dinner, didn't he? And they were glad when they heard this and promised to give him money. And he began seeking how to betray him at an opportune time. So... There's just a few more details here about the players in this. First of all, in verse 8, when Jesus says, She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. What this woman does, who we know is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, 
she's moved by the Holy Spirit to do this. So we've been talking about how all of these events that fulfill the life of Jesus when he came as Emmanuel, as God in the flesh, are motivated by the prophetic, right? And here, even Mary is moved by the Holy Spirit. It's a prophetic act. At this time, it's um, with all these people that are in the house, she seems to be the only one who believes in his resurrection before the fact. She knows somehow by the Holy Spirit he is going to be anointed and she believes that he will be raised from the dead because he has told them clearly several times that this will happen. It's just no one has comprehended it. No one wants that to happen. They don't want Jesus to die. They don't want these things to happen. But she has taken it into her heart and she has believed that he will die and be raised from the dead. (coughs) So, like I said, we just see more detail. Um, we make more connection with the plot of the priests, the high priests, and, and Judas. You just you can't make this stuff up when you read a story like this. You've got these different groups of people. We've got five groups of people that I identified. First, we have the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, the, um, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin, who are indignant who are jealous or infuriated. In fact, in the account of, of um, John, in John chapter 11, verse um, 53, it says, So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. They were very clear in their intent. They were so, so jealous that if, it says in verse 48, If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. They want to hold on to their power and their place, and they are jealous and fearful of this man who is gaining so much attention and so much respect and love that they might lose their place. So that's that's the first group. The second group are the multitudes. The multitudes that are that we're going to see here on the triumphal entry, the multitudes that have been following him around. And we've seen, haven't we, they really don't know what to think about Jesus. They like his miracles. They're tired of the oppression of the of Rome. They're tired of the oppression of the religious leaders. So they're kind of back and forth. They're with Jesus. They don't understand. They're they're for him. They're all excited. They're saying, "Oh man, he, his words are too hard. What he asks is too much. We we can't no, we can't follow this." So they're they don't know what to think. <clears throat> they're there and they're not there, right? Okay, so that's the second group. We've got the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Number two is the multitudes. Third group is the disciples, the twelve. And, and they're really trying to follow and understand, but they still don't understand. In fact, Jesus speaks to this. Somebody's got John 14, 28, and 29. Cindy's got it. He's going to tell them plain out, plain, just straight out, you don't get it, but you will. Jesus prophesies over their state of mind. John 14, 28, 29. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Okay, I've told you so that when it happens, you will believe. Jesus prophesies to them, you don't get it yet, you don't believe it yet, but you will which they did. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, suddenly, boom, 
The download came and they got it. So the disciples are trying to understand. They don't understand yet, but Jesus has prophesied that when, when it comes to pass, it'll all click for them. So that's number three. The fourth, fourth group I have identified here is the family of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. The family that scripture said Jesus loved them. He had a few friends. He had Peter's house in Capernaum. He had this house in Bethany, places he could go and just get away from it all. And this was, this was Mary who sat at his feet and just hung on his every word and listened to him. <coughs> and Jesus said, in so doing, she had chosen the better part, right? <coughs> this is Mary who poured out her most priceless possession. Basically, her life savings was wrapped up in this precious nard that she poured out. She poured out her heart, her, just everything she had before Jesus. She is, in this scenario, the only one amongst all these groups who seems to believe, even though Jesus has told them many times exactly what's going to happen and what he's going to do. And we read how Jesus prophesied about her that she would be known throughout all the world for what she had done. I, I just think that's very special. He said in, in verse 9 of Mark 14, Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached, if it's being preached in China today, if it's being preached in Iran today, if it's being preached in Africa today, the, that which this woman has done shall be spoken in memory of her. So she, imagine Jesus saying, that as you have poured yourself out and just given everything you have and truly believed in him, he prophesies and says the whole world is going to know about you. This, this simple, obscure, poor woman. Isn't that amazing? You see how much God values you? Do you see what he thinks of you when you just give everything? You say, I've got nothing. This is all I have, Lord, but I give it to you. And I believe in what you have said. Do you see how much he thinks of you? That he believes that that is worthy of the whole world knowing that testimony. And sure enough, here we are right today reading it. We know about it. So his prophecy is true. Okay. Um, also, I'm not going to have this one read, Matthew, just for time's sake. But we know in Matthew 28, it was this Mary, along with Mary Magdalene, that were the first ones to the tomb when Jesus was raised from the dead. So indeed, she did believe it because she was expectant. She was watching for it. She went there, whereas the disciples were still hiding behind closed doors. Amen? Okay, so that was, that's number four, this family, including Mary. Number five, in terms of groups of people, is Judas. And as we're talking about the prophetic, everything that's happening in the life of our Savior is led by the prophetic, it has been spoken by God. It has been predetermined and spoken by God. So I submit to you that the actions of Judas are prophetic too. Scripture tells us that Jesus knew from the beginning who would betray him. Even as he chose him to be his disciple, he knew that this would be the outcome of their relationship. Why he was chosen for this role is one of the greatest biblical mysteries me, you know, how God would have to pick a person and assign them that role, but it's a mystery. So we have these players, one, two, three, four, five. 
what what a movie, what a story. <laughs> um, but it's not merely historical. They all play a very important role in this culmination of the life of our of our Lord and Savior on earth. You know, I think the church, Christendom, still has these groups. I still I think we can still find one, two, three, four, and five in almost any given church or fellowship. What do you think? Jesus we have Jesus Christ our Lord, sent from the Father, moving, healing, delivering by the power of the Spirit, and all around him are one, two, three, four, and five. The religious religious people, the religious leaders, the multitudes, the disciples that are trying to get it, the Mary who really believes with all her heart, and the Judas. So we have to look at ourselves for a moment and say, which one am I? <laughs> which one do I want to be? Um, if Jesus is in our midst and these five are still around, which one are, how are we responding to Jesus? Which, which category do you fall into? And another question would be, how are you responding to the other, the other groups? Judas responded to the chief priests by falling into their plot, right? Mary wouldn't listen to anybody. She was going, her focus was on Jesus and Jesus alone. The disciples were trying, but then they were listening to themselves and their rationale. The multitudes, they were back and forth. Yeah, yeah which one? How are you responding to the others? Isn't that kind of interesting that this five, I just saw this as I was studying it, these five different individuals or groups, they've, all, they've always been, and they still are. So as, as um, the story intensifies, um, you know, it came to a head with the raising of Lazarus two months earlier, and now it has tripped the events that will lead in one week to Jesus' brutal crucifixion and resurrection. And just the same, it is intensifying in these days, leading to Jesus' second coming. The, the clash between these different groups. So we really need to make up our minds, guys. Which group, which individual do you want to be? And how do you want to respond to the other individuals or groups? We need to make up our mind. As it was intensifying during this time, it's intensifying in our days. And we need to get defined about where we stand and what role we're going to take. Amen? (laughs) So now I'm going to focus mainly on the number two group, the multitudes. And we're at John chapter 12. And I'm going to read it. It's what is, uh, in my Bible, it's called Jesus Enters Jerusalem. I think that's more appropriate than triumphal entry. Um, And this... This has to do with the multitudes. On the next day, the great multitude who had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. Just like 
the passage that Cindy read, it clicked later. But at the time, they didn't understand what was going on. And so the multitude who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were bearing him witness. For this cause also the multitude went and met him because they heard that he had performed this sign, the sign of raising Lazarus from the dead. The Pharisees therefore said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. (laughs) So this is the, the Saturday or Sunday before his death a week before his death. And um, it says in in verses 12 and 13 that they took branches of palm trees. That was a symbol of Jewish nationalism. You know, just like the eagle is a symbol of the United States, the, the palm branch was a sign of Jewish nationalism. And they are waving, they're waving them before him as though they're greeting a conquering hero. They're crying, Hosanna, which means save now. So they're saying, he's here to save us. Um, Psalm 118, 25, and 26, who's got that? Kaylee does. Would you read that for us, please? Okay, Lord, say, so they're quoting Psalm 118, and they are treating him as a king, as a military political hero who's going to come and throw off the oppression of Rome. They're thinking their hour of deliverance is at hand, and it is, but not how they think. <laughs> John 3:14 through 18, Kaylee's got that too. Okay, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to save the world. So he is coming to save them, isn't he? But not like they think. Um, That's keeping with the, the, the theme of the prophetic. What is Jesus riding here? Is he riding a great white steed like a conquering hero and a king? That should have told them something. What is he riding? A donkey. He's riding a donkey, an animal of servitude, an animal of peace, not an animal of war. If he was coming for war to overthrow Rome, to overthrow the oppressors, he would be riding a great, mighty, strong horse. So the fact that he chose to ride in on a donkey, he was demonstrating prophetically uh, Zechariah 9, it's, it's spelled out absolutely clearly in Zechariah 9, 9 through 10. He is fulfilling the prophetic, as we've been talking about. Zechariah 9, 9 and 10 says, um, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. 
Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He's sending him on a donkey. He's sending him humbly. He's sending him to be lowly, to to lay down his life. Again, like the disciples, it says, they did not understand this at first. They didn't understand what their Lord was doing. He's riding on a donkey. But then... Look at verse 10 of Zechariah 10. I mean, Zechariah 9. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the bow of war will be cut off and will speak peace to the nations and his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Look what just happened there. We went from the first coming to the second coming. And you've heard me say this before if you've listened to me teach very much and you've seen my little... My little uh, visual aid. Does that show up, guys? Yeah. You remember what this means? Yeah. It means that the, here's the prophet, and as he's gazing out towards the mountain, he sees two mountain peaks, but from where he's at, it almost looks like they're one, or they're close together. He can't see that there's a big space in between them. And to understand prophecy, Old Testament prophecy, you have to understand this principle that Jesus' first coming and his second coming is at least 2,000 years apart, if not longer. But it can often be separated by simply a comma or a period. And that's what we just read in Zechariah 9. The first part, verse 9 says he is coming, he is coming on a donkey, humble. The second verse we read, verse 10 says, he will rule and reign over all the nations. So they're looking at him riding in, thinking he's coming to rule and reign. But And they're even quoting the right scripture. Your, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. But they're not interpreting it correctly, that he's coming on an animal of service, of servitude, to come and be a servant to all, to lay down his life. Amen? <clears throat> okay. So then another thing in verse 17, And so the multitude who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were bearing him witness. So the testimony of what happened with with Lazarus was the breaking news all over town. They were bearing witness all over Jerusalem what had happened. But go to verse 19 and look at that with me. The Pharisees therefore said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. Help me out, guys, in this room. What, what does this mean? What, are the, what is this? The Pharisees said, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. Any thoughts? Well, I think they're upset because in their minds they're thinking that all their effort to try and squash his ministry and to unvalidate him had literally led to his ultimate validation yeah. him riding in and everybody in Jerusalem worshiping him as the king. Yeah. And so Very good. They're, they're saying like everybody here because the whole world is there yeah. Passover. Yeah. Everybody here is worshiping him. So. Very good. Very good. That really helps. Yes. Um, and, and they're desperate to remove him, aren't they? Yeah. And protect their position. But they fear the multitudes. 
They fear the popularity. However, let's get back to the prophetic. Because it is prophesied all through the Old Testament, even beginning with the Passover lamb and what God instructed Moses to do with the blood of the Passover lamb. Um, It's prophesied all through the book of Isaiah and the other prophets. He has come. He is riding into Jerusalem, even though he's getting all this acclaim and validation, as Matt said, even though it seems like uh, they're not going to be able to carry out their plot. They will, because it's prophesied that he will become the Passover lamb. He will lay down his life to open eternity to all who believe in him. No one can make this happen, even the Pharisees, and no one can stop it from happening, even the multitude, because God has said it will happen. Interesting thing, we are players in all of this, and we each take a role, but God is going to fulfill his word. We just need to make up our mind to get in alignment with him. Because his word will be fulfilled. He will do it. Um, So if you are on the opposite side, playing a role, trying to keep God's will from coming to pass, I would advise you to switch roles. (laughs) I would advise you to get on a, you know, move from being number one to being a Mary. Okay? In God, it's already done. Um, Let's see. I think I skipped a whole page here. Nope, I didn't. I'm ready. I'm ready to wind it up. In God, it's already done because it's been prophesied and nothing can stop it. And let's go back to Mary. He's already been anointed for his burial and resurrection. As I was praying about this yesterday, I said, well, Lord, I want to be like Mary. I want to be like Mary. She's the one I want to pick out of all these. Um, I know I'm not completely, but that's my my desire. That's my goal. So, if Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, what does that guarantee to us that follow Him and believe in Him and put it? It guarantees our resurrection. So I'm going to anoint myself because Jesus was resurrected, and I believe that, like Mary believed it. And I believe that I will be resurrected to eternal life. Two. Now, I'm going to invite you to anoint yourself if you want to. Why? Why am I doing this? Because I want us to be reminded today. I want to remind you as we're passing through these intense, difficult times, as we're passing through this wretched world, I want you to be able to say to yourself, I'm anointed. My resurrection is already done. I am not going to just somehow get there by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin, hope I barely make it into eternity. I'm there. I've already been anointed for it. And my resurrection is already a fact and a done deal. I need that mentality these days. I don't know if you do, but I do. Because I'm, I'm weary of this world. Jesus even as they're plotting, even as he's going through this, he's already been anointed for his burial and his resurrection. It's already done. The same is true for me. The same is true for you. So think that way today, will you? And just walk around and every now and then say to yourself today, 
I'm anointed. I've already been anointed for my resurrection. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Visit for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.